Is it? Um, hello, everyone. This is the first episode of Touch Talks Cricket. I Uh, yeah, I think there was headphones must have run out of battery or something. Yeah. Hello? Hey, Hello? Yeah. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we can just continue. Um, we, we can trim the recording, right? Yeah, even, even if we don't, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so this is the first episode of Tough Talks Cricket, and we wanted to discuss the World Cup finally um, and I wanted to start it off by asking you guys what your expectations were going in and um, what your takeaways were after the World Cup ended. All right uh, I'll start. Um, I definitely thought that the World Cup was extremely unexpected um, in many respects for me um, especially with you know there's quite a few upsets um, and a lot of teams you know had a different kind of World Cup than what I was expecting them to. But overall, I knew that this round-robin format was going to present those kinds of games and those kinds of interesting situations where teams would have these one-off games where they would not play as expected or as intended, um, and also where they would get a chance to showcase all of their talents against you know every single team and thus have a fair chance um, to make it to uh, the, the later stages of the tournament. Um, that said, I do feel that you know we did get to see um, a lot of good things from a lot of players and a lot of teams, uh, and also got to see you know a lot of sides that were exposed um, for certain teams that they could you know next, spend the next few years working on before the next edition of the cup. Um, but overall, start to finish, I was very very excited and enjoyed the entire tournament. Um, I was able to follow pretty much every game, um, and yeah, it was it was a really really exciting um, exciting exciting edition of the cup. Yeah, um, certainly agree with a lot of respects. I think there were many upsets, a lot of results that are unexpected. Uh, English Sri Lanka comes to mind immediately. But um, the first the one thing that I would say is that with the round robin tournament, the four best teams, in my opinion, did make it to the semifinals, which is fortunate or unfortunate, the way, depending on how you look at it. Um, with the number, the sheer number of games that was played within the ten nations, uh, I think. You're not. You're gonna limit the upsets and the way that teams can actually qualify for the later rounds. Um, I think that was an expectation going in. That was just by nature of limiting it to ten teams. That's kind of what happened. And um, whether we should see a ten-team World Cup again, I don't know. I think it's better to actually increase the number of teams, probably to sixteen. I think the argument that um, associate teams and lower uh, lower seeded teams won't win in these tournaments is a bit counterbalanced by the fact that you've seen Ireland beat England, you've seen Netherlands beat um I think was it Pakistan? Yeah, also England, yeah. <laughs> so, um so you've seen like you've seen upsets happen before. So I think it was a great addition of the World Cup in that each team got tested thoroughly in the ten uh through the round robin stages, but I think it'd be better to return to a, a kind of World Cup would actually expose more of the associate nations, exposes more countries, and actually gets players playing at a higher level from the off. Yeah. What about you? What, what do you think? No, I, I think I, I agree very much with Ishan. Um, it was really sad not to see Zimbabwe, um, for example, play at this World Cup. And I remember Sikandar Raza's speech after they, were, they, they, they found out that they wouldn't be able to come. And he was heartbroken and I think that sentiment prevails around other associate nations as well and if you want to increase the popularity of the game you've got to include them in, no, in the big stage of them all Absolutely, I, I think I totally agree especially, you know, I, I've always had a soft side for a team like Zimbabwe, a lot of their players have shown a lot of heart through the years and especially being a team that doesn't necessarily get to win a lot you've seen a lot of individual accomplishment a lot of, the way I've seen, you know, Zimbabwe kind of play through the years is kind of just you know, a no, uh, a very no holds barred, just kind of going for it style of plan it would have been great to see them in this edition of the cup um, yeah you know yeah, i think was... uh you're, you're excluding a team where i mean you look at two of the greatest batsmen of all time in graham and andy flower and 
Right. Like, it's uh, it's a bit ridiculous in my opinion, but that's cricket after all. Yep. <laughs> after all, so it's let's see, let's see if what the changes are. But I definitely think, in terms of this World Cup, uh, it was very high quality cricket in a lot of the matches. Uh, a lot of surprising results. Obviously, rain played a factor, and I think that was interesting for people to see, and whether interesting in a good or and bad way. But uh, yeah, definitely, it had high quality cricket. It had um, very close competitive matches. So. In terms of the cricket itself, it was a very good World Cup that way, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think that was definitely one of my favorite parts, just to see, you know, the actual games played. And, you know, given that it's such a long World Cup, you even if you're supporting a particular team, for me personally, it was a great opportunity, given that, you know, I was able to stream all the games just to see some of the other players and uh, just enjoy the sport for what it is. And that was yeah. really, really interesting. Before we move on, I just wanted to um, ask you both about one thing and your opinion on something related to Zimbabwe, actually. I don't know if you heard the news, but um, they were just, you know, kicked out, right, of the ICC. Yes. Uh, and, you know, banned from being to play international cricket. So wh- how, what do you think that, you know, given, in, in for me, that compounds being snubbed from the World Cup. So how do you think a country like that or a team like that responds going forward after they're let back in, you know, qualifying for future tournaments? How do you think that hampers... Um, their the sport Zimbabwe cricket going forward. Oh, sorry, I'll let you take this one first. I will get your opinion on it, especially coming as an IR major, given that the reason for their exclusion was <laughs> um, their board being a being political. I want to see what your opinion is with, especially certain other boards. I won't make any mentions yeah. of it. But, uh... <laughs> no, I mean, I honestly, I politics plays a a role in sports these days that's certain and like you mentioned other boards india doesn't play cricket with pakistan because their government doesn't allow them to but they're not getting back exactly pakistan cricket board's patron in chief is the prime minister of the country but they're not getting banned either so you know i, I just I'm taking it I, with I a picture even a smaller nation like sri lanka where their head of selection has roles in parliament again yeah. you can't you they, their boards are apolitical and then go and ban Zimbabwe for political involvement from the head. Yeah. Uh, from the top. Really, really rich. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm seeing this with very skeptic eyes, but I just want to bring yeah. the conversation back to the World Cup because I think that's what's yes. a little bit more pressing. No, yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to get your opinions on yeah. it. No, no, for sure. For sure. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway for me was I was so pleasantly surprised to see low scoring matches I was, def- I was going to bring that up myself yeah. actually so yeah no, and I, the group stage like in the series that England played with Pakistan before the World Cup started every single match went up to like 330 340 being chased and so everyone was talking about high scoring matches and I'm just so happy that that, that wasn't the case yeah, you're absolutely right. And in a way, I think that was one of the things that set the stage for the World Cup, right? That series preceding the Cup was, you know, kind of in, an indication of how the, the pitches were supposed to play or were expected to play, all be high-scoring games. And especially following the 2015 World Cup, which was also, you know, the highest to-date average across the Cup. Um, you know, I think generally people expected it to be a very high-scoring Cup. So it was very refreshing to see as you said, games going back to the way the format was played, like in 2003, the, you know, uh, many of those games were decided by who could bowl better. And, you know, it was, I think, a really, really um, great way to, to really put an emphasis on the bowlers themselves. Um, and, you know, the, the side that could bowl smarter, not just faster or spin better, but bowl smarter, have the better combination of bowlers was really the side that was winning. Yeah, I think... Um when we talk about this World Cup being a lower-scoring one, I think people forget that even given the frustration with the rain, given the frustration that games got cancelled, that was the whole reason this World Cup was probably as good to watch as it was because so much moisture got put in the wickets because of the rain by virtue of all that rainfall. Wickets were grassy, ball was moving. Um, You got to see another side of boys, which I think Sid was saying, like the last World Cup was just all about damage limitation. You had four guys on the boundary. It was just all about tactically getting right. those four guys in the right places and hoping yeah. to God that the guy doesn't hit it for six over him. Right. But um, this World Cup, finally, you got to see bowlers come to the floor. You got to see a guy like Trent Bolt just hooping in the first few overs. Absolutely, like, the Indian batsman couldn't, did not know what to do with that, for example. And you got to see a very different side, very skilled bowling. I think there were a couple spinners that actually came to the floor as well. I'm not... Um, 
no examples that come. Imran Tahir, I know, had a very good game against yeah. Australia. Yes. But um, it it wasn't just pace, which obviously I'm I'm heavily biased towards watching a fastball swinging it around for SB overs. But it wasn't just pace. And then you got to see a guy like Kane Williamson, quality batting, actually stand up through that because they're tested. That's where a good batsman thrives. Ball swinging, the good batsman scores because they know how to like play the ball late, play the ball under their eyes, kind of not reach out in the first hand overs and nick right. off. You see. A guy like Jason Roy looked absolutely clueless in the final. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a worse 20 in my life being scored. But that's <laughs> just because there's very top-quality bowling. Yeah. Like, and the pitches are suited to it. And I think it doesn't detract from cricket. As, as I was saying, like, people were expecting after the Pakistan series for there to be a 500 game. Like, that right. was the expectation. Score, I think the scoreboard, the scorecards that people were getting in the stands had 500 for the first time on them. Yeah. So, I'm so glad and so happy that that didn't happen. Like, it wasn't that flat baked wickets of the Champions Trophy in 2017, for example, in England. Right. So, So, uh, sorry, Ishan, you brought up a point that I just want to follow up with both of you on. Um, the, the, the batsman who really kind of set this tournament on fire. I just want to ask you to contrast someone like Williamson or even David Warner, who kind of, um, and even I would say Alex Carey to an extent who were kind of really present in the tough games and really held in for their teams when the rest of the batting, you know, did not go so well. And contrast someone, you know, who, like, these are the guys who played well in tough matches versus someone like Rohit Sharma, who even though he had 500s throughout the tournament, when he came in that semifinal against New Zealand, um, he did not have a good game. And so what does that say about, you know, the batsmen, the temperament against good bowling? And what, what did you think you saw with these batsmen? You know, Other Ali? At the better cup? Yeah, I'll let you take this one first because I think I contributed about, uh, a bit about them with you, but I, I want to hear your opinion on it too. I'll go after that. Yeah, I mean, I missed a bit of the question because my phone just died. Um, so, Sid, could okay. you just... Yeah, sure. Yeah I'll, 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 yeah, I'll try to clarify a little bit. So, basically, I was trying... I was just asking to compare someone like Kane Williamson and maybe someone like Rohit Sharma, right? In For me, personally, I thought while both had very good World Cups you know, it was very appropriate to give Kane Williamson the man of the tournament because when it came to, even though Rohit Sharma ended with more runs, when it came to, you know, the tough games, it was guys like Williamson who really stood in and as Ishan pointed out, played the good bowlers well. So I wanted to ask your opinion on what you thought, you know, in terms of these batsmen and um, what do you think other batsmen who may have performed well in terms of raw runs like Jason Roy or even David Warner can take from someone like Kane Williamson? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Williamson has always been his like cold hard calculations like he's got a computer in his mind and you kind of need that from a number three batsman too and you you saw it across the board with all of the successful sides in this world cup their number three was scoring um be it williamson be it Kohli in india be it Azam for pakistan um you know root as well anchoring the innings and and so you need if your number three isn't performing, it, it, it exposes the middle order and that's um, that's very risky. So I think the fact that a lot of the, the matches played were low scoring and they required a lot more calculation, it made Williamson's role, um, along with the other number threes, even more important. And like just the reliance New Zealand have on Williamson is kind of crazy. I think I was reading somewhere that like, he scored like 34, 35% of their total runs. So, um, just pressure on him as captain, as their best batsman, definitely merited the man of the series. Um, I think, uh, so one thing regarding your question, Sid, that I would, um, I would definitely counter is that I wouldn't say Rohit Sharma failed in that New Zealand game. He got a good ball. Like, that happens. Every, I think one thing that people kind of immediately are going out and saying is that, Rohit Sharma failed and, you know, he kind of let down the team. As an opener, you're going to get out in the first 10 overs a couple times. Like, that happens, right. it, especially when the ball is moving. Like, it doesn't matter if you're Don Bradman. Like, honestly, you're going to get out a couple times. So, he got a good ball. I think uh, you got to give kudos to the New Zealand bowlers. They bowled bloody amazingly in that first few overs. And um, I so, I think saying that they failed, I think in that game specifically, you have to look at the Indian middle order. 
Yes, I totally totally agree. And I think that that's, you know, part of my bias as, you know, an Indian fan. But I I totally agree with you. I think that Rohit Sharma had a brilliant tournament. But to Mm -hmm. me, just looking at, um, you know, the reliance that New Zealand had on Ken Williamson, right? Yeah. To me, it's just that I, w- I was just wondering, like, they, you know, you, there definitely are different players and they add positives to their team in different ways. Yeah. You know, oh. I think that, and that's what I was trying to just ask both of you is what, what really was his contribution beyond the runs? Because Ro- for Roy Chama, it was the runs that he made, you know? And so that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that match, though. I mean, obviously, it, it, it went on to the reserve day and India would have known that they were chasing 240, mm-hmm. 230, maximum 250, and they would have had a day to plan their innings. What explains such a collapse, which leaves out five for three in the first few overs, after having the ability to plan overnight? Like, that just seems like a dream situation for any team in a semifinal. And I was very, very confused as to, as to how such a consistent team let that happen. So, uh, Ishan, uh, I want I want to hear your opinion on this, as you know, as someone who uh, you you talked about New Zealand's bowlers and as a bowler yourself. But beyond that, I want to also just mention Uzair that right when I saw that total and I saw the fact that New Zealand had made that total, I was actually scared. I felt that India would have a hard time. So when they were five for three the following morning, I was actually not surprised at all. I felt that this would be a hard chase from the start because in if you had just looked at the patterns going before that. Um, every team that had batted first, whatever the total, if it was above like 230, the team was able to defend it. And especially with New Zealand's bowling and the way that it had been done, I knew that this was the time for them to to really click. And I just, it, I don't, I as, as you said, I don't know if there's a legitimate explanation for it, but I felt I I did not feel that it would be e- easy chase. Yeah, I think um, I can't remember the match just played in Manchester, right? Yes, that was yeah, in Manchester. So, um, I mean, historically, Manchester hasn't been one of the toughest uh, batting wickets in England. Like, uh, you'd look at Headingley or something where 240 can look a really long total. So, I think, as Uzair said, it was disappointing that India had a full day to plan it. And likewise, New Zealand had a full day to plan their bowling, too. It wasn't just, obviously, cricket doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like, one team's not the only uh, team playing. So um, I think New Zealand came out with very, very good plan in the first six overs. India batted very, very poorly in the first six overs as well. Uh, a couple of loose shots here and there. Kohli walking across the stumps. I mean, he's, it's happened so many times. Like, like, if there is a flaw to his game, it's that, uh, probably. Um, yeah. you, again, you'd be hard-pressed to criticize Virat Kohli and Rohit Sharma. Like, these guys have done it so many times, so consistently that you really can't fault them. You, you, the fault lies with some of the later shots. Like that shot from Dinesh Karthik in the air to point was yeah. so, so loose at that stage of the game. game. No, I, I agree, so, but it was also a brilliant catch. A like, brilliant you, catch, you, you, yeah. But yeah. like, again, very, very loose. That's, that's yeah. like, that was the, India. like you, you look at that Indian batting lineup, that's where you highlight, like this is where we can right. win the game. Like as a bowler, right. you just look at it and you'll see that. So I think, yeah. um, as, as I said, the, there was a certain kind of lack of planning, probably just saying yeah. that you know our top order, our top order was close seventy, and then you know we'll figure it out from there. And that didn't happen for the first time yeah. in the tournament, probably. So um, yeah, lack of planning. New Zealand bowled very well again, but that probably is what contributed to it. I, I don't think conditions were conditions were not that menacing and we kind of saw that later in the game when Jadeja and Dhoni yeah. were able to come in and uh, score a bunch of runs so it right. was not a ridiculous wicket or anything like that but yeah it was it made for a good cricket just because pressure does that honestly I think a World Cup semi-final I cannot stress enough as we saw in the final as well eventually having runs on the board does absolutely crazy things to even the best teams in the world so mm-hmm. It it was a that was a phenomenal match that way. I think you just saw what pressure can create. So yeah, yeah, no, I forget I think also forget India Pakistan the Jadeja Mandrake rivalry. I think was the yeah. No, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was like, I think yeah, more than anything else, I was just it was it was comedic to me. I think yeah. one thing, and I you know again, you guys can um, voice your opinions on this. I just I did not feel that 
Mondraker was a very good commentator throughout. Like, just besides that comment, the bias that he showed, the you know, to say the least, I just I felt like he should have been removed a long time ago. Some of the other guys, like Kumar Sangakkara, you know, some of the Australian English commentators, that I, th- I thought they all were very, very good in how they presented. But Mondraker from the start, I was not very happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mandraker is the Ramiz Raja of India. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best equivalent. I think uh, when you talked about, uh, so I think Mandraker is just not a very analytical commentator. That's just from the beginning. Like, you don't, I, like, I've never rated him probably since, like, 2014 or 2013, whenever he started commentating. And everyone's known that he's kind of the, yeah, best, best example is Ramiz Raja of Indian commentating. But I could not say it any better than that. But, um, when you're talking about the bias, though, I would I would be hard pressed to say that just because the only reason I would say like I wouldn't want to get into that is because we saw a lot of I think if you guys stretch back to the 2015 World Cup, you saw a lot of that from the Australian commentators when they were there. Um, yeah. I would so I wouldn't exact I wouldn't like kind of I'm not going to use it as as uh, kind of like a, a thing to blast him with. I think he was just very poor comment. To, like you didn't yeah. commentate on the games well, but that's it happens. You get bad commentators, you get good commentators. So I don't think you want to like go to that that much. He's just not the best one. So yeah, yeah. So, but what did you think of uh, Jadeja's performance in that in that regard, just in general? And and how do you you know compare the way he played in this tournament? Because he didn't get much of a chance, but when he did, I thought he delivered. But besides that, compare that to his career overall, like. Where do you think Mandraker's comment came from? Do you do you guys think that it had any validity? Like, what what was your impression of the whole incident? I think you gonna take this first, or Ishan? I think you should go. All right. Um, I think it is absolute. It's a travesty if he's not in the team. Frankly, he's proven himself to be probably India's best fielder. So regardless mm-hmm. of that, he should like. I'm not saying he should be on the team on that merit. This guy is also a person who will rock up and bowl you 10 overs for 40, 50 runs every game. Like, yeah. he's done that consistently year in, year out for many, many, many years now. And, yeah, while, like, he's had his ups and downs in his career, I think for sure, especially with his batting, um, I, like, he's not proven himself to be a reliable scorer that everyone thought he would, and people are kind of slating him for that. But you look at the stats in his bowling, he's proven himself. Like, just as a pure bowler, it's so I think uh, an issue which is very similar to what like you're seeing at Jadeja is what's ha- been happening with Moen Ali, because uh, mm-hmm. people are slating him for his batting when in actuality you should look at his statistics as a bowler. He's done better than most of England's other bowlers, but uh, still everyone's saying, "Oh no, he's not batting well. How can he justify his place in the team?" Uh, Ali's yeah. de- Ali's probably not the he's not the same quality of fielder that Robin the Jadeja is, but. It's a very similar example. People are slating him for something that really he should not be blamed for. Like, I think his batting is the tertiary factor to his game, like, in all honesty. No, I, I, yes, I, I agree with you. I think, though, um, one of the things that really cemented the decision was, yeah, I agree. He, I think he's a very good bowler. I think overall um, people do tend to emphasize his batting. But at the same time, I do think that this year his bowling did suffer a little bit. Yeah. And that I think might have exacerbated the decision because yeah. there was some stat where, in the you know I think in the couple of months leading up to the World Cup in that series he only took one wicket or something like that. Yeah. And yes, that is not at all a reflection on his whole career, and I'm in full agreement with you. But I think that one of the reasons that really exacerbated his not being kind of sidelined throughout was that the fact that his recent bowling was maybe not what they expected it to be. Yeah, I think for if he gets dropped for that, hundred percent, like you can agree with that. But um. Also, at the same time, um, India had two very, very, very good wrist spinners coming out. And yeah, uh, Kuldeep Yadav and Isvinder Shah. So, it's tough to pick between the three. Ball. Sorry? Kuldeep Babarazan. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, very, very good <laughs> wrist spinners. And I think that's what India were missing in the last World Cup. That's what every yeah. other team had that India didn't. So right. That's probably why they lost. So... I they like again. It's it's a tough decision, but to like say that you know you may you can't really go wrong with any of the three. I I don't think no. again, even like I don't think you go wrong with any of the three. Jadeja adds a bit more in batting, but they're all really good players. Like right, so. definitely. Yeah, 
Um, Uzair, why don't you say? I, I have another comment, but, but, but Uzair, I want to hear your thing on the Jadeja. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to break up the Jadeja loving <laughs> just for a hot second. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how he would get a get a place in the Indian squad when you have Chahal and Yadav. Yeah. Um, just seeing them ball, you know, like, it's almost the, the, the perfect storm with a leg spinner and a Chinaman. You don't really see that these days. And they're just such tricky um, as bowlers. I, I think he's he's very much good enough to get into the squad. But when you have Chahal and Yadav, um, I, I, I just think that with spinners, you've got to be more attacking than defensive. And I agree that Jadeja, Jadeja is tight. But um, I think any captain would take two for 60. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's fair too. But I also think that, you know, like both of you have pointed out and like most people, people were comparing, you know, Jadeja and, you know, the two spinners. And while that I think is the most obvious comparison, to me, I thought, you know, there may not necessarily be, obviously, yeah, maybe three spinners is too much. But if you were maybe drawing him, maybe comparing him to some of the batsmen is really where I was thinking, or at least someone who can, like Mitchell Santner, for example, can give you some runs at the back end but also provides that extra fielding and extra bowling option. I thought that the cost-benefit of having a very weak middle order and drop and resting Jadeja, that's where really, for me, it felt that Jadeja should make the squad. Not necessarily at the expense of the two spinners, but again, playing three may not necessarily be the best idea. Yeah, I think um, with that, uh, like the whole order of India will get messed up if you lo- start looking into that because you already, you're playing a bona fide all-rounder in Hardik Pandya, so... If, you, if you're saying that, you're saying that Hardik Pandya isn't giving you enough runs, essentially. Because you're saying we should include two all-rounders because our all-rounder isn't doing the job. So yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, look, in, in, in any other situation, I feel yeah. that at least towards the end of the tournament, when the middle order did get to start to get that chance, just yeah. the way that Vijay Shankar and Kedar Jadav, and I mean, Jadav had one good innings, but besides that, and Kazakh Dinesh Karthik were not batting well enough. And which is why I think that just for that particular circumstance, it may be, you know, you, you give Hardik Pandya a better chance. Because in every game he played, he pretty much was giving you 20, 30 runs. And it felt that, you know, you kind of, this was a problem. The middle, India's middle order problem is something that you really dive into after the World Cup. But for the purposes of just getting you forward and through the cup with the squad you have, that might have been a good idea. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a factor. Also, like, just the pure fight that Jadeja brings compared to Vijay Shankar or Dinesh Karthik. Like, yeah. he's, he's a guy who's, like, performed in later stages, whereas these two have repeated... Well, not, not Vijay Shankar, but Dinesh Karthik, to a certain extent, has not really brought it in big tournaments in his career yet so far. Yeah. Um, Ishan, how much time do you have? I have a little bit. I thought I think the big thing we should probably hit is net run rate, and then kind of yeah. net run rate and the final, and then we'll move from there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I want to talk a lot about net run rate. Just yes, because, I, I figured you might. Um, just because Pakistan didn't qualify for the semis based on net run rate, and yeah, um, it's just tough to take because. And I, I know, Ishan, you said you thought the top four teams of the tournament made the semis. I would disagree um, yeah. just because you know, New Zealand didn't beat a single top four team in the group stage. That's they had their game with India washed out. Yeah. Whereas in Pakistan, you know, we beat both England and New Zealand, who were the finalists. Yeah, um, well, I, I would say in counter to that, though, Pakistan also lost to a lot of teams they probably should have beat. So... Exactly, and, and I think that goes to Pakistan, the, the ICC, you know, yeah. the, like, in events, in, 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 if you think about the Champions Trophy as well, yeah. a lot of people are comparing Pakistan to the 1992 World Cup in terms of, like, yeah. the sheer amount of coincidences. Yeah. I think that, that is, like, great for WhatsApp forwards and whatnot, but if you want to do an actual comparison, if you look at the Champions Trophy we won in 2017, yeah. Um, there's so many more, you know, um, I guess more meaningful resemblances. Um, in the Champions Trophy in 2017, Pakistan got thrashed by India in the first match. Yeah. And immediately afterwards, Ahmed Shahzad got out of the team um, and Fakhar Zaman was brought into the team. Yeah. Yeah. He basically won us the, the final, yeah. 
uh, yeah, the final and even the stages before that, he he okay. he got us the starts that we needed, and it was a very reactionary, unplanned decision. Yeah. Um, so with the Pakistani team, you know, like I, I know everyone loves to use the word mystical and whatnot, but like there's something you can't explain um, that happened exclusively in, in 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 ICC events, and the same thing seemed to be happening in this tournament. You know, in first match against the West Indies, we were plummeted, and I think that's just blunder more than anything else. I think as cricket as as sports teams, you have days where you just shut up. Yeah. Um, just based on the fact that we bounced back and beat England the way we did. Yeah. Uh, it was unfortunate that the game against Sri Lanka was washed out because I think that was a very winnable game and that would have taken us yeah. ahead of him. 100%. And I think, I think uh, on that, Uzair, I think Mickey Arthur in his interview after you know Pakistan was knocked out, I said it the best, which was that one bad game knocked Pakistan out of the tournament, which I don't exactly. think is fair at all. Exactly, exactly. You know? If you lose a game in in the thirteenth over, a few, uh, there's no way you're going to have a net run rate that's going to be competitive. So we knew that going in. It was just unfortunate that results didn't go in our favor, especially when we had our yeah. run at the end. Where we beat five on on five. Yeah, no, like, I, I was very impressed to see that at the end. That was, I mean, yeah. for yeah. a team that looked at it as it did against West Indies, and also, I mean, yeah, uh, just looking at. You know, it's kind of contrasting things, right? Pakistan went up after that. And look at how West Indies plummeted after that, right? Yeah, and look at how New Zealand plummeted after that. Yeah. Like, like, in the New Zealand game, I still remember I was at work. It was, like, probably the most nervous game I've ever had to watch. It, it reminded me of Mohali in 2011, semi-final against India. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, you just know that you're not going to be able to win. But you, like, yeah. continuously watch it. And, and you're, like, kind of, like, torturing yourself in the process. And... The, the spell that Lockie bowled to Hafiz, I saw it, but it was just short ball after short ball. And Hafiz was clueless. And if Hafiz lost his wicket, which he should have at least five, six times yeah. in his 30 ball innings, you know, we probably would have lost that game because we would have been 40 for three. Yeah. Um, so just going through that and getting to a position where you just needed, um, sorry, you just needed. Um, India to beat England or New Zealand to beat to or New Zealand to beat England. It just it was just such a hard such a hard yeah. to swim. And yeah. I'm just thinking net run rate is not a fair system. I think I mean I, that's my firm belief. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, uh, I, was, I, think- I was actually just about to pitch that question to you guys. So now, yes, I think net run rate is not necessarily the best way to do it. What do you think is the way to do it? Now, obviously, in sports like the, you know, like American football, the NFL, it's based on head-to-head. You know, whoever wins the head-to-head game, they're the person who moves ahead. So, uh, you know, that's definitely, I think, part of it, uh, you know, a possibility. What else do you think should be factored in? Yeah, I think um, speaking about it, I will say that uh, having been on the wrong end of net run rate myself, I think um, Singapore has been disqualified a couple times from, uh, not disqualified, rather, uh, like, not qualified for the later tournaments, uh, later stages of a tournament, or like in WCL, you don't make the top two because of net run rate. You're right. uh, you're stuck in the same division for another year. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very, very tough pill to swallow. I will say that it's it seem seemingly unfair, just given that you can have one day where you know, not even I would say more so than just like. So even in the late in the lower divisions, right? not a World Cup, you get a wicket that's just doing it in the morning. And that happens in England. That happens all over the world. You get a wicket that changes over the day and one team can just absolutely pound you into oblivion if that happens. It it does happen. Like, that. that's a realistic scenario where it's happened in SEC tournaments all over. So, looking at that run rate of the fair system, do I think it is? Absolutely not. Um, is there a better way? That's something that ICT needs to look forward to. Uh, look towards i think as you said you brought in the nfl head-to-head you uh you have the premier league goals for against uh column yeah. as well i think those are all examples that i see should use to kind of improve the system do i know what the best system is absolutely not like they, they got far smarter minds than me working on that so i think um they it's something that I, does i, I, need I, a I lot don't of know I don't, we, we don't know that <laughs> yes I, I hopefully one, you'd hope one thing I think the ICC really needs to look at is trying to make bilateral se- like series more meaningful. 
Um, especially they are, which they are, I'm pretty sure. Think about the like that's why they're trying to work with this test championship is to get people to watch test matches again. I think if they yeah. take away net run rate and sort of put the onus on who wins bilateral series and like put some algorithm to like sort it out if there's like say three teams with the same amount of points. Um yeah. I think that would just add more meat to bilateral series, which would make people watch them more. And I, it, it would be more equitable because the series is played over three, five matches. And, you know, yeah. usually the better team wins. Um, yeah. Especially, yeah, no, sir, I, I definitely think that that's on the rise, especially now that, you know, some of the, the minnow teams are starting to play more ODI series and even test matches and are starting to play more teams. I think that each of those are factoring into the rankings. Um, but yeah, I don't, and again, I don't know the exact algorithm as to how many, you know, how that the total number of points is devised, but um, I do think that, as you said, you know, bilateral series should play a huge role in, in how it's determined. And I think it will be moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, do, we, do we have a few minutes to talk about the final? Yeah. I was going to say, moving on from that, if you talk, if we talk about net run rate being an unfair mechanism of determining <laughs> two tied teams. What do you guys think about number of boundary scores? <laughs> wow. So, I, I have many thoughts, but I'll let you guys go first. So. Yeah, Uzair, go for it, man. Yeah. Like, it's just such an arbitrary rule. Yeah, absolutely. Craig Info did this great piece on, like, three alternatives to, um, to the, the boundary rule. And, like, I won't get into the alternatives now, but they just talked about how stupid it was where you could score 24s and get 80 runs, or you could score, say, 15 fours and five sixes, scoring more runs through boundaries. But still, but yes, and still, like, it just does not make sense. I, I, I think the way this rule might have come into being was that they were talking about the Super Over in some ICC meeting and everyone was like late. You know, the meeting went into overtime. <laughs> some guy brought up the question, oh, what if a Super Over is <laughs> is tied? And they just thought of the first thing that came to their mind, thinking it wouldn't happen. Must be, must be. No, I... Has I, to be I, that. So ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I full agreement with you. I, you know, see, the way I look at it is, New Zealand is being punished for hitting a six. That's the way I thought of it. You know, like that, that's stupid. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's not just a Super Bowl, but the, uh, not just Super Over. Not, Super Bowl. not just the Super Over, but it's the across the game. But at the same time, like, you know, it, it, it must have been close. And so it's, it, as you said, people, you know, the, the team is getting punished for hitting a more economical boundary, right? A, something that gets you more runs. And that was just stupid. So, you know, maybe uh, some other, I think somebody else had, you know, on some social media thread had pointed out that maybe wickets, number of wickets you lose in the Super Over overall should be factored into it too. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Um, I think number of wickets you lose in the Super Over should definitely be factored in as a run uh, mechanism. I thought there, I I didn't know this, but I thought there would be run subtraction for number of wickets lost in Super Overs, and oh. there wasn't, which is... yeah. Um, I was very surprised to find that out because I know we've done like super overs in uh, like over here and you lose three runs for every wicket you lose or something like that. So, yeah. That, By the way, for the listener, if this yeah. isn't obvious, Ishan played for the Singapore national team. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just thought that should be known. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think um, very much it should number work is lost in the super over 100% has to factor in that without question. But uh, so when you play tournaments, you're saying that there were runs subtracted, yeah, in the super over. Like if, okay. you, if you're many, batting one over three, three to five runs generally, okay, wow, yeah. I, did not, so, I did not know that that was a thing. Was there, did you, did you know about this? I mean, I knew about it in gully cricket, I didn't know about it, <laughs> yeah, in so, this, yeah. this is this is age group cricket, so it was essentially the equivalent oh. to gully cricket, but yeah, it was, um. Yeah, that that's a common rule, and that makes far far more sense than determining. I I would also want to get your guys' question. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. But is it not better batting to score the same number of runs without hitting the same number of batting, uh, same number of boundaries? Like you get a guy like I'm gonna there. I'm gonna put you under uh, a bit of spotlight for this. We get a guy like Wahab Riaz who will swing four balls in a row, hit one boundary, get four runs. You get a guy like Kane Williamson who rotates to the strike every ball. Single, single on four balls in a row, all under control. 
You think that's not so? I see he's basically saying that Wahab Riaz is the better batsman than Kane Williamson, and Wahab Riaz deserves to win. That's essentially what they said. Yeah. It, yes. I think that's just reflective of the way the ICC thinks. Yeah. Uh, boundaries are good. So, uh, and, and I thought that was ludicrous. Yeah, it's yeah. And any good batsman will tell you that it's harder to take singles and rotate the strike yeah. than it is to hit. No, um, Sean, yeah, that, that's the same thought I had, which is the yeah. fact that, you know, isn't it more impressive if you're able to score the same number of runs by rotating the strike and batting smarter than yeah. to just swing the bat, as you yeah. said, you know, like that, that should be rewarded, in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, it, it seems silly to say that you scored less boundaries, so you should be awarded. But I definitely like it's definitely not the opposite should be the case. I mean, they could they could just do another super over. That was yeah, that was the big pressing do. question. They have it's not like they're running out of time or yeah. like the sunlight's going down. You have light. It's the World that. Cup final. More viewership yeah. for them. Yeah, exactly. And you don't you would never see a football match decided by okay, each team has scored five penalties in extra time. Oh, um, the other team actually had more shots on target. They should yeah. win. Like that's <laughs> ridiculous. Like it, yeah. no. Yeah, that's the stupidest concept I've ever heard. Yeah, it feels it feels <laughs> like the ICC just kind of pulled this thing that New Zealand was ne- wasn't necessarily paying attention to, right? Yeah, and you don't think of how many boundaries you're scoring; you're just thinking about the runs in hand. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, it's all of a like that's an extra weight that you're putting on the team that you have to keep track of how many boundaries you're scoring. That yeah. just seems stupid. Yeah, you know, if the object of the game is to score the same or more number of runs as the opposite team, that is what should be focused on and emphasized, not the fact that you do it a certain way. That to me puts in you know an extra amount of restriction on the game, and just it, it takes away from it. So yeah, I, I felt New Zealand was unfairly snubbed. But I but I at the same time I thought they played brilliantly in the final. Yeah, I, I want to ask because like there were so many injustices you could point out yeah. in the final. Um, you know we we all know about Ben Stokes accidentally scoring a boundary. Uh, yeah. You know by by diving and going overthrows. Um. Obviously, there's nothing he could have done about that. That is, yeah, that's, that's just bad luck. That's just yeah. bad luck, and it it's 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 a better pill to swallow. But in sports, you you've got to swallow that. What I don't understand is Kumar Dharmasela's comments after following that up. That I could not the, explain. The, uh, are you talking about the one me. where he's like, "I don't regret my decision." That one. Yes, yes okay. because he awarded he awarded England six runs as opposed to yeah. five, and. Yeah. So, okay, and I want to ask both of you, you guys know the sport a little bit better than I do, which is what I was, I didn't fully understand the five versus six. In what situation would, should have Ben Stokes been awarded six runs? If, if they had crossed on the second run. It, so at, when the ball is thrown. Crossed, you mean crossed the, the middle? Yeah, I mean each okay. other. They had to okay, cross each, each other, other on the second run before the ball was released. Okay, and they hadn't. They're yeah. not. They were uh, still at their respective creases. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I was just um, making sure I understood that. Yeah, because you know, it's one thing to get an LBW run, which umpires do all the time, and which is obviously forgivable. But it's another thing to like just be aware of the rule. Yeah. You know, I I just think you forgot about the rule because he could have gone back to the TV umpire and seen. Yeah. It just. That's- that's what I found most ridiculous about that point is that, yeah, it's okay if the umpire gets that rule wrong. It's okay if there's a mistake and all that stuff. But you review on no balls at every wicket. You have television guys watching. You have a third umpire. You have a fourth umpire. You have a match referee all there with rule books, with all that stuff at their own reference. How can the ICC not have third umpire intervening at that stage? Yeah. No, it blows I, I my mind. Yeah, it just it felt... It felt rushed, you know. It just felt that I, you know, everyone that is the people governing the game, the umpires, ICC in general, just dying to reach a conclusion, you know. And they just yeah. the, whatever was most convenient, that was what was seen as the way to end the game. I mean, like think pressure got to everyone that they I, should have, and they have in other situations. Do you think there was an element of adrenaline um, blocking rational thought? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And yeah. every I think pressure hit everyone. Like again, yeah. players. Yeah, I have to give credit to the players though. Like, I and I don't know whether this is true, but I'm sure you guys heard about uh, Ben Stokes. You know, apparently saying not to give the four runs. Oh, the, yeah, the, no, it was true. It, no, was, it true. was true. It was so, true, right? Okay. Yeah. 
they caught that on TV. So like okay, the second yeah. he hit it, it was yeah. Umpire said that that never happened. The umpire said oh. that that didn't happen. Yeah. No. So wait, what are you talking? Are you saying he apologized immediately after the incident, or not to give four runs after it? Oh, not to give four runs. Like so, there oh, was no, no. He apologized immediately after the incident. There's no way he didn't ask for four runs. So that would be stupid. Like you'd be oh, an no, idiot so if he did apparently, that. Apparently, no. Apparently, yeah. So that's interesting because apparently there was some speculation. Mm-hmm. Some even I think one of the sports websites released that he had said not to give the four runs. But you're right. It seems stupid to do that. That would like. If you're so there's sportsmanship and then there's foolishness that would be borderline foolish. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like New Zealand got kind of straight out of luck with it hitting it bad. That happens in cricket. Like yeah. you have overthrows where there's interception stuff. You have it where you hit the stumps and the guys like just barely made it to the crease and then he brought to four runs. That would be the same thing as this. Like yeah, he uh, like he had a good throw. You'd still be saying oh crap, New Zealand had really crappy luck that day just because they hit the stumps and you know went away. All right, like bad luck, but yes, to ask for it not to be four runs is frankly ridiculous. Like that would that, that was fake news, Sid. That was fake news. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I figured it must be, but I, you know, I yeah. thought I'd ask. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think one thing we're forgetting is the fact that we're discussing all this just shows how bloody good of a game that final was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like yeah, so like. We just got to take in for a moment the number of quality performers on the day. Like, firstly, that England bowling was, whew, like, that was something else. Like, they bowled yeah. so well. And then to follow it up with that kind of performance and Ben Stokes, that innings was yeah. phenomenal. That 60 hit off Trent Bolt with uh, basically swept it to mid-wicket. That was an insane. One hell of a shot. Like, that is under pressure. That length to get under it and hit it like that was right. mind-blowingly good. I, I agree, and uh, that was definitely one. But another under-pressure six that actually was my favorite of the game was the one Nisham hit in the super over. Like, yeah. just to, you know, hit that, you know, the, that first only getting getting a two and then just being behind, having to score 15 yeah. runs. Yeah. And just, like, it went so far into the crowd. He just stood there so calmly and took yeah. Archer's ball straight. Yeah, I, I think Archer definitely missed his length on that one. Like, more so yeah. than... I, so, Archer... The length ball that should that has to disappear in a super over, mm-hmm. but Stokes is sick. He he got under that, he went back in the crease and really yeah. made what would have been a Yorker a hittable ball, which is why I thought that was probably my I, play the, of the game. ABS, you know, yeah. wrist flick of like a 140k bowler. It just yeah. it made no sense looking at that. I remember it was it, it, that was an insane moment, yeah. and that. And I still felt that even after that six, the game was in New Zealand's hand. Whereas hundred percent, after that overthrow, I was just like, "Oh no, they've lost it!" Like, yeah. But that was frankly just phenomenal cricket. Like, I think no, great match. And you know, that's the one thing I I feel about the teams that have played is like New Zealand, especially. You know, if you've just been paying attention to the, the the interviews with the players and just talking to them. They kind of, they quite frankly saw themselves as underdogs going into the playoffs. And, you know, especially yeah. with Tendulkar's comment to, on Dhoni's birthday saying, you know, good luck in the next two games. They were yeah. written off, you know, and, uh, you know, every, all Australian, English and Indian fans were, you know, praying not to get New Zealand. Or sorry, praying to get New praying Zealand. To get, yeah. And so I thought that the, the team itself, New Zealand's team itself, they're very, very nice guys in general. You know, they're people who don't seek out controversy, don't poke at people. Commentators, anybody from hello to me that resonated with me as this, as a sports fan. Like they were a team, a favorite to watch. Like I was definitely supporting them in the final. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, what you said, like they're nice guys. I think New Zealand gets mischaracterized as just like purely. Nice guys sometimes. They've got some metal behind them. To get to that yeah. final after the kind of what they went through with was they're talking about their collapse in the group stage at the end. That hundred percent they completely lost all semblance of form. To win that match against India when, you know, you had that second day, all that stuff like coming after quite frankly underperforming with the bat. The uh, hats off to them. They played a phenomenal World Cup and hopefully yes. they actually, you know, win a World Cup final. 
I agree. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. And I, I think um, I was speaking nice guys more in terms of like their personalities. Absolutely. Yeah. In terms of their game. That's my point. Yeah. Is that they focused all their energy and their attention into their game. You know, yeah. there was nothing in terms of disrespect to the other teams. Like they're constantly seen as complimenting the the other captain, complimenting the other team, and just really, you know, they're all of everything about them is focused on their cricket and their cricket alone, and that's what got yeah. them this far in the World Cup. And I don't yeah. think there was any fault of theirs that they lost that final. Yeah, you know, I think one one of the players in New Zealand like has gotten sort of left out in, in, in the final, like the post-final discussions when people are talking about Williamson, Stokes, is just Guptill's contribution oh, yeah. in the final two, two games. You know, for a walking wicket, like he, he had no form. He barely scored a run this entire tournament. And his throw got Dhoni out, which basically yeah. sealed it for New Zealand to go into the final, mm-hmm. which was an insane throw. One-handed pickup, one and a half stump, pressure situation, and then in the final, you know, in the super over, trusting himself to come out because you have to think about from the perspective of the player. You have no form going in, and you still take on the responsibility that you do walking out to bat as as an opener in the super over. And I think he's, he hit a six as well. If I'm... No, that was no. Nisham. That was Nisham. Yeah, I, I, I really feel for him. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I thought he had... Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say that, you know, in terms of raw results that he had necessarily a good World Cup. But I thought for him personally, like the way he played and the way he carried himself in those last two games was indication of the experience he's had and just the fact that he kept on his head, he kept his head on in those last two games was just I mean it was great to see that someone who had been under a lot of scrutiny for not contributing as he should maybe and all that stuff he you know he was brilliant in the last two games yeah he definitely um, he's a guy who you know last World Cup he was player like a batsman of the tournament probably yeah. and to go from that he's Form has frankly deserted him for the last two years, but uh, it was good to see that you know he's still he's still giving it all, giving a hundred percent. I mean, New yeah. Zealand still backs on him so much, and that's frankly a reason why they underperformed in the group stages because they Guptill's just Guptill, Munro, and uh, I think Henry Nichols is the other opening bat. They all kind of didn't score any runs in Williamson as essentially an opener, but. Uh, yeah, they, Williams and Taylor seem to be the core of that batting. And, and people knew that coming in, but if, like, at least your openers give you 40, 50 runs, that gives you some kind of backing. <laughs> they didn't get that. So, like, it was it was good to see, like, firstly, him, like, come back in the field. Like, he's always been, I, in my opinion, might be one of the top two or three fielders in the world. That catch he took off Steve Smith on the hook shot, yeah, the backward square, is still probably the catch of the tournament in right. my books. But, um, yeah, like, it's, I think, great tournament all around by that whole team. Like, I think Jimmy Neesham was phenomenal. Like, Jimmy Neesham had a very, very strong World Cup. I agree. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he kind of came out of, I, he was uh, coming out of bad form, like, barely being selected, barely had any money. He was a farmer before this. He's one of those players who's kind of a rasp to riches story. And the way yeah. he came out in this World Cup was absolutely insane. So, I thought, I, I agree with you. I thought he was, for me personally, like, the New Zealand success story of the, the World Cup. Yeah, but yeah, I think uh, that's definitely great. There's so much to digest, as seen by the fact that we've gone on for almost an hour, but yeah, and still could easily probably go on for another hour. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, right? No, I agree. And I think yeah. the last thing I want to ask both of you is yeah. like, all uh, wait, Ishan, before I ask this question, which team were you supporting? Did you say in this World Cup? Uh, it's a painful question to be honest. South Africa. South Africa. Okay. So yeah. all none of the three teams that we support made the postseason. <laughs> made it or made it to the end, made right? It. Yeah. So I wanted to ask all of us to kind of just say one thing that we thought went well with the teams, and one, and uh, you know, maybe one, maybe more things that you know we should look forward to, or the teams that our teams should look forward to moving forward as we play. You know, about about our respective teams. Our respective teams. Okay. And also that moment, like the single moment of the of the World Cup for you. Of the World Cup or for for our teams or just in general? 
I'm just in like just in general, like okay. one memorable moment. All right, who's there? You start. Uh, okay. Uh, so I have like really mixed emotions about the Pakistani campaign. I'm very proud of it, the way we bounced back, but obviously very bittersweet. Um, I think one thing that I'm looking forward to is to see Babar Azam just dominate batting yeah. in in the coming future. And I think this World Cup was the first time that we saw him absolutely boss it. Because he, he was known to get a lot of starts. Like, he has a 50 average. And the problem with him was that he wasn't winning us games. Like, he was, he was starting well, but he wasn't winning us games. And I think the New Zealand game, you know, where he came in at 30, 30 for one, chasing 240, with the, the wicket being really, really tricky, really bouncy. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that much, but that was a batting masterclass from him and he ended up scoring a hundred and actually taking us home in a game, which honestly, as a Pakistani fan, seeing my team chase, it is probably the worst thing I can do for my heart. Um, seeing him at the end of the match, I think was, was a lot more um, happier for me than like just seeing the team winning as well, because that's something we want. But, as as a country, we really wanted to see Barbarazan winning his matches, and I think that's something that um, I was really happy about. Also, seeing Shaheen Shahafridi take fifteen wickets in like five matches, I think right. that was that was insane. Um, so the future looks good, as it always does with Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my single best moment, I think, um, is actually a bit niche um it was in the afghanistan game it was between pakistan and afghanistan and i remember watching the match with my friend arjun um in chicago like we just woken up and pakistan was basically we beat south africa and new zealand and we were going to lose to afghanistan and get kicked out of the tournament which was which was just impossible to take and we needed 16 runs of 10 balls and wahabras comes on to bat and he has a broken finger and he's facing Rashid Khan and 16 for 10 is and it's a tricky situation and if he wastes a few balls Pakistan would have found themselves chasing 13-14 in the final over so this was very much like the next few balls were the penultimate balls and out he comes with a broken finger and hits a slog sweep in classic Wahabriya's fashion um, over mid-wicket for six. And after that shot, you basically knew that the game was in your hands. So I think that, for me, was the thing. Like, and, 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 and renewed our faith and, and hope in the World Cup as well because we, we, we were in it until, obviously, um, you know, we weren't. But I think that was the, the single... Yeah, I'll talk about like at least the team. So I think the moment the South Africa campaign went off the rails was probably before the World Cup itself when Stain's injury kind of t- pulled him out. Yeah. Um, that was just such a heart-crunching moment because everyone was banking on that bowling lineup of, you know, seeing a potential bowling li- lineup of Rabada, Ngidi, Stain, Tahir, and then uh, Chris Morris or another all-rounder, Felakwai or something like that, would have been something to watch. That would have been really, really something to watch. And I think that would have scared the crap out of a lot of teams, frankly. Yeah. It, it never happened. It's something that might never happen again, given shoulder injuries. Again, something I can relate to, frankly, <laughs> a little bit too much. But... Um, uh, there, yeah. So watching Stain, like that would have really been something. I think that just tore people's hearts to shreds, and the batting just did not step up. So in terms of that from South African team, um, I think seeing Vanderdusen come through was good. I think they needed a middle order batsman desperately, especially with all the Davilia drama going on. Uh, and seeing him actually score some runs, seeing someone who's not name with not Faktu Pussy score some runs was good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think in terms of their campaign, it just was disappointing pretty much from start to finish. 
that I, I'd say my moment in the tournament would have probably been um, Jaffa Archer's bouncer to Alex Carey. Because I think <laughs> that just showed this guy is something. Like, he is really, really, really something. That's uh, he. I mean, Hashim Amla, you can kind of push away saying, like, you know, he's, like, kind of past it. Like, this, he hasn't scored many rounds. Like, there's a bunch of bouncers he bowled where, you know, like, almost. But that Alex Carey, this is a guy in top form, like, you know, really seeing the ball, hitting it well. And he could not do anything about it. Like, that was yeah. seriously, seriously quick fast bowling. And uh, I, I was just, like, wow, scared, wow. I think that as any <laughs> like fan of fast bowling should right. be like both at the same time just like kind of a, like in awe and also in fear of what I was watching wow alright thanks okay so I'll go uh, yeah so for me India obviously very positive campaign up to that semi-final but um, and I'm going to say something that I think that a lot of Indian fans are going to reflect which is the, the middle order problem um, I would say that that's both what I think went wrong with India in the World Cup, but also what I think I'm looking forward to after. Um, yeah, I would say that I was initially very excited of, of having guys like Vijay Shankar, Dinesh Karthi get a shot because they had had promising um, moments before uh, before the World Cup. But overall, over uh, underwhelming performances from them. I thought Vijay Shankar just looked nervous throughout, and then he you know went out with that injury. Uh, I thought that Dinesh Karthi was good for him to get a chance, but also he did not deliver. Um, I thought one positive thing was definitely seeing Rishabh Pant come and hit a few quick knocks here and there. I, I'm still not fully convinced of, of his abilities as a proper batsman, but he does do his job, and you know you have to commend that. Um, of course, the bowling, as we talk about at various points today, uh, just Preet Bumrah continues to amaze. Like from where he came from and how he's, he was ridiculed for his action and things like that, he had an absolute phenomenal, phenomenal World Cup, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just very excited to see him going forward. But yeah, as I said, I think in this upcoming West Indies series and looking beyond, I definitely want to see the the, the middle order rebuilt. Guys like Shreya Sire, Manish Pandey um, are going to get a shot, and I think that's going to be good to see a new team form. Um, for me, it's hard to point to one world moment of the World Cup, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do two. One was I thought, um, and this is again, who's there pretty niche, uh, is Avishka Fernando's batting. Um, oh yeah, this is a guy sure. who who came out of nowhere, you know, for a, a team that was had been written off from the start and you know for someone to just come and play the shots he played and bat against the bowlers that he batted against and just the class that he it was he was just fun to watch and that was one thing that i was amazed by um and the other was definitely i would say um uh and this is again you know despite south africa's world cup one of my favorite matches was that australia win at the end i thought they played absolutely well amazingly you know to just come back and say all right we're out let's just go out with a bang um, Van, I loved watching Van Der Dusen in that game. The bowling in that game was amazing. It was down to the wire, and that was one of my favorite moments of the tournament. Yeah, I think yeah, Avishka Fernando's batting was some of the on drives he hit during the tournament just phenomenal right. to watch. Like that's definitely yeah, beautiful. I'm very excited to see him going forward in you know the yeah. series that they're going to be playing. Yeah. Also, um, one last question: Do you think do you guys reckon Jasprit Bumrah is the best bowler in the world? Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Um, I think, given the fear that he puts into batsmen at the end, um, and just yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I I can't think of a better bowler right now. Yeah, I think. Oh, look, I think obviously you know he's definitely one of the best, but it's hard for me really to differentiate between him and guys like Trent Bolt, and uh, you know maybe even Archer to an extent, but just the guys who are at the very very top. To me, they've they've had about the same effect on opposing teams. And while obviously I'm really happy to have Bumrah on you know on India's team and to see the thing that he's doing, I don't think he's the sole. Like he's definitely distinctly better than every other bowler out there. Uh yeah, I would I would disagree with you there. I would say um, I like definitely distinctly better than every other bowler in India right now. Uh, uh, India for see. sure. Yeah, 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 without, yeah. Without, India for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if it's not, not that, not the world. I would say like like him and Trent Bolt are probably neck and neck. Trent Bolt, I'd just say, just Breed Boomer has that pace which makes him an extra factor, and he has that action where you just can't pick him. And I would the thing I'm most impressed by him, and I certainly was one of the people who doubted whether he can make it as a, a longer format bowler, especially. 
I thought limited overs, he was an absolute gun. But longer format, I didn't think he would make it. I never saw him having this much control over his bowling. That was a big reason. And he has proven me wrong tenfold. Because... Yeah, cash bowling that as well. You know, he's yeah. not just limited over his bowler. Exactly. Uh, I, I never saw that coming from him. And yeah. it's wonderful to watch like, as a fan of cricket. Like, he is... I, I'm ha- so happy to be proven wrong in cricket. Like, that's the best feeling ever when you watch a guy just absolutely... It can go well. It can go very badly as well, as uh, seen in certain circumstances. Right. But it's such a great feeling to watch a guy you don't think will make it just come out and score boatloads of runs or take wickets just for fun. Though so it's been great to watch him kind of progress over the years. Right. I would say, though, that it's. It, I think it's fun for me to be proven wrong in one way which is if you think they're going to do badly then they do well not the other exactly way yeah the other way around is not not that much fun for sure yeah. So. yeah yeah i think uh yeah i might have to make a move now that was awesome yeah. talk guys like really good oh, for sure yeah, Chat, yeah this was fun yeah this was really fun. yeah all right well if anyone i would be very surprised if anyone's listening to this right now uh, yeah if you are thank you so much for taking the time, hearing us talk. Um, just a word on Tufts Cricket Club. Um, it's a new club. And if any incoming freshman is, is is watching this, know that there are cricket buffs on campus. And, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a club here for you to play cricket with. Um, no pressure on how much you have to come, but, but you could come as much or as little as you want, but we play games and, and we're going to, step up our training this year so um if you're interested please 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 check us out in um in orientation week we'll be at yes. the club and on facebook tough Cricket club yeah and if you guys ever need me to come around i'll be around on weekends so i can definitely help out so awesome yeah That'd be great so. all right all right guys yeah good Thank talk you. guys yeah